On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Leadership and People. This is a series that pulls back the curtain on leadership by interviewing CEOs, senior executives, and entrepreneurs who've had large exits. We ask these experts about how they built trusted networks to rapidly grow their companies and what advice they wish they knew if they could do it all again. Today on the show is part two of our interview with Ryan Moss. I think there's ways. We do other things. We have a monthly meeting with the entire company and we share success stories. So we have, you know, success stories from Comcast and Bright House and some of the cable companies where they've shared back to us. They've had a 35% reduction in their injuries on ladders since using our product. So, Ryan, I feel like the part one was like an amazing like marketing instruction on, I know you were covering different aspects, but I think the thing that I liked the most about hearing about some of those failures, some of the wins and, and losses, but uh, when you talked about this idea of of why you do what you do as a differentiator. I mean, the business literature is full of books like Differentiator Die by Jack Trout or Different by Young Me Moon or, you know, the Harvard marketing professor, just the 80-20 principle by Richard Co- uh, Koch, you know, the, the Blue Ocean Strategy. I mean, it, just, it doesn't end of people saying differentiation is a extreme business benefit. And yet so many of us, we end up, differentiating ways that we think are different, but for people outside of our industry, they kind of lump us together. You know, if you ask somebody at American Airlines what differentiates them from United or or Delta, they probably have, oh, we're not even the same. You know, they list all these reasons that they're different. But like when my wife's buying an airline t- ticket, you know, if there's $50 difference in price, she's going for the cheaper one, right? I agree. So I, I think... The one thing I got the most out of part one of the interview was when you talked about this, this reason why that the first one you picked didn't last because you didn't feel it. Can you talk about this idea of, you know, for those of us, you know, the show is about leadership and people, uh, for those of us in leadership who need to get the rest of our people to feel the why of why we're doing it different. And it's, it's obviously something that the folks leading the charge need to have some passion about. Can, can you talk about maybe some advice for the rest of us who want to get our organizations feeling the why instead of just knowing what the boss picked? Uh, sure. I think, first of all, um, one of the successes that we had, it wasn't just ultimately my decision that there was a team of people around, uh, around me learning this process of discovering our why. And it, it sounds so simple once you've done it, but um, anybody that I've talked to 
And there's been numerous people that have talked to me that is like, how did you get to your why? And, and we want to do our why. And it, it, once you have it, it sounds like, oh, that's beautiful, that's simple, let's do it. But anybody that's attempted it will tell you that it is incredibly dif difficult. Um, but I think the, su the success that we had, it wasn't me just trying to stand up and say to our employees, oh, hey, by the way, we're going to prevent injuries and save lives, and here, here's why. But we allowed a, a, a good group to help discover that. And when we uh, did that collectively, it was all of us collectively feeling it at the same time when we got to it. And I think it was also part of the failure process in trying to get to it that we thought it was going to be easier to get to what we wanted, ultimately wanted, and realized how incredibly hard it was. And yet it was the pain of going through the steps, the pain of stumbling, the pain of, of thinking we're done and we're not even close and starting over that when we got there, we did it collectively. It wasn't just uh, me mandating, oh, hey, here's the latest uh, you know, buzzwords for the week and, and here's another program that's going to last a month. Um, when you come through our facilities, on the walls of our conference room, it says preventing injury, saving lives. You walk through manufacturing, preventing injury, saving lives. You see that on email signatures. You see that everywhere in our facility, on literature. We are constantly reminding ourselves. We have a, a meeting uh, every Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock where we have all the department heads come together as a communication meeting. At the end of that meeting, each week a different person is assigned, uh, one to cover goals for their department, and the other would be to discuss our core values. We have five core values, and one of those is preventing injuries and saving lives and our why. And um, oftentimes they will get up and share a perspective on that to the group that most of us have never thought about. And so it's constantly reinforced, but not by me, by those in the company. Yeah. So let's talk about where the, you know, the rubber meets the road and some of the, some of the harder decisions get made. What about the staff member that is, um, they're getting their job done, but they, but they really aren't necessarily. Uh, they haven't caught the bug, and it and it looks like they might not catch the bug. For why our organization is doing what we're doing, you know, there, it's not a blatant. We need to let this person go, but uh, but there is this, you know, there is you know a definite lack of of uh, buy into why we say our organization exists. How do you navigate those kind of decisions as a leader? Well, it sounds like it's their turn to do the presentation next week on preventing injuries <laughs> and saving lives. Um, we often find that those things that we study and, and ponder on our own, really, that especially if you're going to share it to, to a group, we learn more than the group does by far. And that would actually be one way that we would, uh, you know, maybe potentially start to address that is have that person make a presentation to the group on, on that, that particular uh, item or, you know, in this case, the why. 
Um, I think there's ways, we do other things. We have a monthly meeting with the entire company and we share success stories. So we have, you know, success stories from Comcast and Bright House and some of the cable companies where they've shared back to us. They've had a 35% reduction in their injuries on ladders since using our product. And we share those stories. Um, we also uh, created a National Ladder Safety Month. And uh, I went back to Washington, D.C. and garnered support from OSHA and NIOSH and National Safety Council and all the safety groups. And they gave full support. And Little Giant was at the helm of leading that. Now, the American Ladder Institute is really the governing body for that. But we, the idea and the premise of that came from Little Giant. And it started here. And so we have our employees participate in that. Um, we actually do um, ladder training to, uh, for our own employees, although very, very few of them ever built, uh, climb ladders. Most of them just build ladders or sell ladders or talk to customers who buy them. And, but yet we do ladder safety training. So, um, and also product education so that they understand what those leading causes of the ladder accidents are and how they can protect themselves and their own families. And it's more, uh, for us, it's more of a way of life. Our actions, everything we do really speaks to this preventing injuries and saving lives. And it's not just a fancy tagline on the end of a marketing piece. Yeah. So let's take someone else who um, they're, you know, they've got whatever their why is. It's different than yours, but um, they want to have it really become more of something that people feel in the office instead of just the poster in the hallway. What are, what are kind of the go-to tactics or what are some of the philosophies or principles that you would, that you would recommend to a leader like that who wants it to get back, you know, get past the feel good feeling and really have the people we work with, you know, strive for leadership in this area. Well, the, the advice that I would give, and it probably just ties into a little bit on what I uh, just said, is that for um, them to, as a company to recognize the small victories and to celebrate those uh, publicly, whether it's, um, you know, an individual that did something or the whole company or a division and celebrate those publicly and um, really show that. Uh, this is not something that just hangs on the wall, but it's something that we're watching, that we are participating in, and we're excited when we see movement um, because that's infectious. Uh, negativity is also, and so anything that you can do to begin to get more and more of the group on that side by celebrating those victories, uh, celebrating the successes is is in my mind, the very best way to win more and more people over to that way of thinking. Yeah, you know, I, I loved your example of going and getting success stories from the clients and, and like having that tangible, real human lives factor that you've impacted rather than the hypotheticals, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, what, how long ago did you guys start doing that? Well, as part of uh, this whole effort, when we were um, discovering our why, uh, I mentioned that we had had a, you know terrible failures on innovation. Not that the products weren't innovative, not that they didn't uh, you know, weren't really cool and fantastic, 
but we had realized that we had failed to um, listen to the customer. And so in conjunction with this, as we went, and this is how we even discovered, you know, these statistics, but it was all through listening to the customer and that we vowed that we would never make anything again without listening, basically identifying a need and then filling the need. And so as we listened to hundreds, if not thousands of safety professionals around the country, we invited hundreds of them to our facilities uh, and then also went out to theirs and just listened. And they shared stories and shared um, just gut-wrenching uh, experiences they've had where best friends or somebody they had worked with for years was killed in a ladder accident or permanently disabled. And so as a part of, we talked about a little bit about those five core values that we have. One of those is we feel your pain. Now that's internally to our own employees, but also the pain of those who are out in the world who are our potential customers. And that um, at the bottom of that core value is that every voice is meant to be heard. And so we listen to everyone. And that has really been a turning point for us in just listening, um, seriously listening, not trying to jump in and say, yeah, but we have this and yeah, we have that. Many times we'll go on a sales call and all we want to do is learn and we'll come back later with maybe something that might be of a benefit to that company, but we want to learn what are your pain points and then try to discover how we could possibly um, help to alleviate those. But the, the key for us is um, and I guess in answer to your question, it's now been about seven or eight years where we've really focused on listening. Um, listen first and, and uh, speak later. God gave us two ears and one mouth, use them accordingly. So that's, uh, that's really been a part of our success there. You know, those are, you know, those are cliches for a reason because not many of us follow them, which is why we have to keep getting reminded of it. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and there's probably no sales manager in America who wouldn't spout off, oh, we need to listen to the client. I can tell just the way you talk about it, though, that that you guys are living it to a deeper degree, like um, that it's not just something you say when when you do have a sales team who needs to grow at that skill set. What does that look like for you of helping people, you know, build <laughs> build the listening muscles instead of the talking muscles? You know, that is a really great question because um, we recently had an experience here within the walls of our own company within the last couple of weeks where um, a big potential customer came into our our uh, company and, and started to talk about things that was important to them. And we had a, a newer salesman almost... Uh, diminish kind of what they wanted and said, but here's what we want. And um, I cringe <laughs> because first of all, no one in the world cares what little giant wants. And I can promise you that <laughs> everyone cares about themselves. We are innately selfish. Um, whether we say on the outside or not, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm here for you. Everyone is still always thinking about, in the back of their mind, what's in it for me, that a radio station, WIFM. And so um, we struggle with that 
from time to time when we have new people. Um, you know, when I you mentioned that you feel like me saying, well, I, I feel like you guys are actually doing it, not just saying it. First of all, I lead by example. I've crisscrossed this country, uh, and I personally have spoken to thousands of safety professionals, um, probably less speaking to them and more listening to them, uh, but interacted with them. And I think part of that has to start by example. When people come in, we find out what we can do for them. We listen to them. But we have, we're, you know, we're all human, and we'll often fall back into, you know, especially a salesperson who, you know, is going to be part of their, part of their compensation paid on commission. They're going to try to get to cut to the chase, right? Um, I feel like, and we do as an organization, that cutting to the chase is probably actually going to cut their commission because if they will listen and identify the problem and then provide the solution, which we have lots of them, their uh, commission could be going ongoing for years and years and years because we're one of the few companies that really focus on solving the actual, pro actual problem and not just trying to sell a product. So we have to continually remind and teach, instruct. I have this written here on my to-do list next week to do another, a little bit more sales training and it's actually not on selling it's on listening and so we we take time to to focus on that and remind people role play that that you know we're there to listen and understand what what it is that uh, they're suffering what what their pain points are and and then we come back with how we might be able to help and i say might because not in every case can we yeah well um, it, you know, it relates to the uh, one of the other subjects I wanted to bring up, which is, um, you know, you think about this from literally sweeping the floors of manufacturing to CEO of the company, um, and you've been CEO for 11 years, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, when you think about, you know, from a small business to becoming a big business or, you know, uh, you know, more, more of a selling, selling ladders at the uh, farmer's market to selling millions of dollars of it with in the home depots of the world. Mm -hmm. What is, um, what advice would you have for leaders who they're at that more mid level of the business and they really want to get to that next higher level or, or what do you feel like you couldn't have learned, um, to, to be at the level you've, you've gotten to as a, as a size of company, as a, you know, size of revenue, what's something you couldn't have learned other than doing it yourself? Uh, well, that's a really good question. I will say that uh, the first part of your question on, you know, someone that's maybe in that mid-level and wants to go to the next level, uh, first of all, uh, contemplate why you want to do that because bigger isn't always better. Your problems uh, are compounded and yes, the upside can be compounded, but so can the downside when you have uh, times in history like 2008 um, where you have, you know, a major shakeup in, in the industry, but that also can help um, maybe depending on if you're diversified enough, help uh, with weathering those types of storms, but bigger isn't always be better. And I, in a lot of ways, do feel like I have somewhat an unfair advantage for the fact that I came all the way up through the ranks. And so I do understand a lot of 
parts of the business that perhaps if I was just brought in as a CEO, I would never understand. And that is, I know what it's like to stand on a concrete floor for 10 hours a day and punch rum or to buff the ends of tube or channel or to assemble ladders. And I know um, the things that can be done to improve productivity and morale. Um, and then also just having an understand, understanding through the business. So my advice to somebody that maybe doesn't have that same path, um, where mine was kind of, I wouldn't say forced that way, but it just happened that way. And so I happened to learn everything all the way through is go back and spend, if you're in a company that does manufacturing and you're in leadership, go spend a week in their shoes. Put on your jeans and your grubby shirt and go back and work a week side by side with those people who are in manufacturing or pick up the phone for a week alongside the customer uh, service agents and listen to the calls that they have. Uh, my office is right outside the, our customer experience center. And the reason being is I have an open door policy and my door is open 99% of the time and I can hear the conversations that are going on in that customer service uh, or customer experience bay. And oftentimes, and I don't have to very often, I will walk out and say, it sounds like you really got a tough one there. Why don't we do this to make them happy? Um, or is there something that you're you know, lacking, or you're not sure on a policy or how to handle this. And so trying to get in those shoes, um, I will go to some of the shows from time to time. And those, if you've ever done them before, are not fun. You're on your feet in a huge uh, convention show or hall and um, having people walk by and you stand there day after day and engage people. And those are not fun, but it's a great way to communicate with the customer, also know what your salesmen are dealing with and be able to connect with them. And so at as many levels as possible, truly understand what it is that the people in your company are doing. And I can promise that most people would change many of the things that they're requiring people to do, or they would find ways that they would be able to help their employees be more successful. I love it. I think that's a, I think that's a great place to end. Uh, I think there's probably a lot of us who, uh, who can stand to get better at that. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us here today. Uh, you bet. It's been my pleasure. And, uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to share a few things about little giant. I'm just incredibly grateful to represent an incredible group of people uh, I, I do want to put a plug in for them because really I have the opportunity to represent an amazing um, group of people that make things happen. And often I get credit for things that they do and it's, that's really the wrong way. Um, if I come into this building on a Saturday, all it is is it, you know brick and mortar, concrete floors in the back and carpet at the front and computers and machines but there is no company until Monday when the people come in and that's when the spirit and the life of the company is real. Uh, you take them out of that, out of the equation and we have nothing. And so I'm thrilled to represent uh, them and they deserve all the credit that uh, is, is to be had. Love it. Okay. Thanks again. All right. Thank you.
Hi, my name is Logan Wilkes and I'm the CEO of Corporate Alliance. A few years ago, I moved to San Diego to build a new market for us there. The biggest deterrent I had to success was I didn't know a soul. I often thought to myself, if I just had a thriving network or influence, this would go a hundred times faster. To be honest with you, I had never felt so alone in my life because A, I didn't have an influence, and B, I didn't know anyone that was going through the same thing that I was. If you have ever felt like this and you are looking to grow your influence, join us at one of our upcoming events. You can check us out at corporatealliance.net and request an invite to one of our upcoming experiences. At Farmers Insurance, we have concrete evidence that parking under an industrial cement mixer, that's just asking for trouble. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.